T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Thursday, January 13th. What is the state doing to address the biggest problems caused by this Omicron surge of the COVID pandemic, namely testing and PPE like effective masks so that schools can stay open? It's been a busy week in Sacramento as Governor Newsom rolled out his budget. So I wanted to connect with someone as connected as it gets at the state level to find out. KCBS radio politics reporter and uh, host of State of California, which you hear every day at 3.30 on KCBS radio. You can also find the State of California podcast at kcbsradio.com or wherever you get your podcast. The host is Doug Sovereign. And uh, Doug, I just want to jump right in here because I know you're really plugged into a lot of the things that are going on at the state level, what's happening out of Sacramento. And it seems like there's so many different prongs. I wouldn't even know where to begin. So I'll just ask the kind of general overview question. What is the state doing right now uh, as this Omicron surge seems to just be impacting every facet of our society from schools to hospitals to the workforce? Well, it's kind of an all hands on deck thing uh, at the state level from the governor on deck. Down and he released his budget this week, which includes, you know, billions more in COVID relief and emergency measures. Um, you know, they're really just uh, watching this Omicron surge and trying to manage the, the rising hospital uh, occupancy. And, you know, luckily the death rate is stable and even falling. And it seems perhaps maybe we've hit a peak in terms of the case rates. Um, but they're, you know, basically trying to manage the supply of masks and sending out millions of masks and test kits and all the shortages that people have around the state to the school districts, to the cities, to the health departments, get out more masks, get out more test kits and keep those hospitals staffed. Cause that's really, yeah. you, you have so many healthcare workers who are testing positive and they may not even be symptomatic, but then they go into quarantine for at least five days and in some cases longer. So it's really a matter of managing the staffing and getting out the supplies. And that's kind of the focus of the response. Any insight into what the triage is like at the state level when it comes to saying, we have X amount of resources to allocate here and how they go about deciding that schools should get this over hospitals in this county or hospitals in this county or this school district in a different county. How do they go about delegating where those are most needed and getting them out as fast as possible? 
Well, one would think that they're making those decisions based on need in terms of public health. So uh, is it most important for us to go to the nursing homes or to the hospitals or to the schools? But let's remember the squeaky wheel does get the grease, especially in politics. So when you've got school districts and school boards and parents and teachers unions clamoring for something, they may be more likely to get it than somebody else. So, um, you know, small businesses may suffer. They're not getting what they need, perhaps while uh, a district that's really wired in and connected might get more. So um, I I think it really varies. I I mean, you would like to think that what they're doing is based entirely on preventing transmission, uh, getting everything they need to the hospitals, etc. But but I don't know, politically speaking, on the ground, if that's really the way it works. Um, It's it's interesting to me how different things are in terms of the schools, from district to district, city to city, even school to school. It really varies widely. And a lot of it, I think, may depend on how much money, you know, there was a huge allotment of federal COVID relief, then there was state COVID relief, how that money was spent, who was in charge, where they did they did they put in plexiglass dividers or did they stockpile tests? I mean, a lot of it has to do with, with access to supplies, but also decisions that were made uh, on on how to spend those funds. The schools is, is the most interesting to me, and I don't have kids, but just watching what seems like this slow moving freight train for months now, not really since Omicron, but just since, you know, kids went back to school, you know, in the in the fall and late fall, especially here in the Bay Area, seeing what's going on with San Francisco had the superintendent teaching a class last week, right. the, the uh, teachers who are sick, administrators who are sick. Every district has to make these decisions for themselves. But is there any mechanism in place? Is it even legal at any point for the state? to say all students in public schools will be going home until date X. Is that something the state can even do? No. I mean, these are district by district things. The state does not have control um, at that level. Now, the state could issue, you know, public health orders strongly recommending and urging and locking down and the schools are going to fall in line. But you can't. And as we've seen in the past, they really can't um, mandate that at the local level. That's something that comes... Uh, from from the districts. But, you know, my experience, I have kids in the Oakland schools, and I have many friends who have kids in the San Francisco schools. There are so many differences between how those districts have, have handled things. And yes, the labor unrest, I think, has begun in Oakland. And now it's all we've seen it in San Francisco, too. Mm-hmm. Petitions from teachers, petitions from um, students. And then there was the teacher sick out in Oakland. That was not a union sanctioned thing, but a lot of teachers did it. Yeah. There has just been a deal struck between the Oakland Unified School District and its union to avoid another sick out. Uh, and try to keep them all on the same page. The the Oakland schools are already off this Friday uh, and Monday for Martin Luther King. They had a four-day weekend. It was supposed to be, I think, a professional development day Monday. Now they're making that a non-work wellness day, essentially to give the teachers a day off to sort of recover and and decompress a little bit. And they're going to grant extended COVID leave um, which was a temporary thing. It's extended through the end of the year. So um, people who, who get COVID who have to come back within a certain number of days, now they can take a longer period. So it's clear that in Oakland, at least the district is working really hard to keep things from getting worse in terms of the labor situation because they want everyone to be on the same page. They don't want the dissension among the ranks from the parents, from the teachers, from the kids. Uh, and, and they've been pretty responsive. Uh, San Francisco has been a little slower, I think, uh, just getting out more tests this week, just getting out masks. And and again, I can't really explain the differences between how these districts manage things when they're roughly the same size. I mean, San Francisco is a little bit bigger than Oakland, but just to use those two as an example, uh, maybe it's a matter of leadership, but 
Um, you know, a lot of these decisions, such as whether to open, whether to close, you saw Hayward shutting down for a couple of days, yeah. really are made at the local level. We may see more districts doing what Hayward did, where you have sort of a, a temporary hiatus, but not a return to remote learning for the semester or anything like that uh, until we get through this Omicron surge. Are districts afraid that if they return to distance learning that they might lose funding from the state since all of the state funding seems to be seems to hinge on in-person learning. And is that a, a factor where districts are saying, hey, we might lose money from the state if we decide to temporarily go back to school over Zoom? Yeah, I mean, that's not just a fear, it's real. If you shut down and don't have in-person school right now, you're losing your funding from the state because the formula is you get X dollars per child per day. So that's why they take stru- such strict uh, strict attendance. And if kids have unexcused absences, the school loses money that day. The district loses money. So if a, a district takes a week off, they could be losing millions of dollars in state funds because... Uh, that money's not coming in. Uh, now, if it's at some point, you know, sanctioned by the state, then that's okay. Mm. The money comes in anyway. They use it for, you know, to support remote learning. But that's not what's happening right now because the school and all of its stakeholders involved in education statewide are really determined and focused on keeping these schools open in person. Um, but yeah, that is a real risk. And it's not just a fear. It's real. Mm. And Hayward made the decision to sacrifice that money as some other districts have in the interest of keeping um, kids at home because they just lost so many teachers that they really had no other choice, I think. So when the vaccine rollout started, California kind of led the way with the way they were able to scale up so quickly and and in such a large, grand way, right? Why haven't we seen that large-scale effort to ramp up the testing, uh, either mass testing sites or more tests available in schools and things like that? Is it a lack of federal funding uh, that the state maybe had at the beginning of the, the vaccine rollout that they don't have access to right now? Yeah, I mean, there was that a huge amount of money coming from Washington, you know, billions of dollars uh, that allowed a lot of this to happen. And that money has been spent for the most part. Um, you know, now you're seeing things like the Biden administration saying they'll send out millions of test kits or millions of masks, but of course, not nearly as many as are, are needed. I mean, they would run through those in a couple of days. Um, but there's not another bill coming from Congress with some huge appropriation. So that money isn't there. So you do have plenty of money at the state level still coming in, and there's a, a budget surplus, which is one reason the governor's appropriating more for this purpose. But, you know, in a short term day to day thing where you need to buy masks, you need to buy tests, you need to do whatever you do, whatever you need, um, the money's not necessarily there. And you're also talking about districts that already have significant budget deficits that they're coping with facing layoffs, you know, in the next year. Um, it's not there. They can't ramp up the, the way they wanted to. And, and maybe there needs to be another, you know, COVID stimulus plan from Washington, although that does not seem to be in the cards. Doug Sovereign, appreciate the uh, the time and the uh, insight as always. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on State of California today at 3.30. Thank you so much, Matt. Great to be with you. New episodes of the Bay Current podcast come out every morning, and we'd love to be part of your daily routine. Subscribe to the Bay Current podcast on the Odyssey app, Apple, or Google Podcasts, just about anywhere you listen. Each episode is also on the KCBS Radio YouTube page, and there's a link in the show notes. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you again tomorrow.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.